The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. And this is the hard shoulder. I'm Anton Savage. A lot of people will be looking ahead to their commute thinking, oh, it's a fairly miserable weather day to try to get home, knowing that they will at least be getting home somewhere cosy. For many last night and tonight, hopefully not tonight, uh, was spent in tents. Some of those being people who were uh, international protection applicants. The Irish Refugee Council was sharing images of what they described as terrible and distressing conditions at the International Protection Office this morning. Joining me now is CEO of the Irish Refugee Council, Nick Henderson. Good afternoon, Nick. Hi, Anton. How are you doing? I'm good. Nick, for people who haven't seen the images that you shared, can you describe them? Yeah, so these are images of tents uh, on Mount Street and by uh, Grattan Lane, uh, which is parallel with Mount Street. So there's approximately 50 or more tents uh, there. And the images are of, uh, as of this morning, it may have melted by now, but quite a lot of snow that had accumulated, very wet snow had accumulated on the tents there, causing some of them to collapse. Um, we, I was there, I took the photos um, and I passed by to, to see the situation. I was also there on Wednesday. And it, as we said in the, the post on X this morning, it, it is a situation of, uh, of real deep concern to us. Uh, when I was there, I saw people trying to take shelter in, a, in an archway that was uh, next to the tent that was covered and away from the snow. But I also heard voices uh, from people who were in the tents themselves. Uh, It's a situation that has been building for some time. In the spring, you will remember that there were tents in the Mount Street area and including on Sandwood Street. And there was eventually uh, the incident of several tents being burnt on Sandwood Street. And then since the beginning of December, there's been uh, people have been homeless, single men not being accommodated on arrival. And then gradually in the last, where are we now? So three months, in the last three months, there's been a build-up of tents. Uh, and indeed, the number of tents has probably increased quite significantly in the last two to three weeks. And so Nick, can you explain, because whenever we talk about homelessness, we quote homeless figures running up into the 12,000s. But they are mm. not people who are sleeping rough. They are people who are homeless, but they are the vast, vast part in some form of emergency accommodation. How is it that people who are seeking international protection have not been housed somewhere in some capacity with a roof over their heads beyond living in tents? Yeah, so we were asking the same question ourselves. The, the, the government explanation for this situation is that they have particularly, well, only the Department of Children and Integration have been responsible for accommodating people. And if we had this conversation two years ago, approximately eight to 10,000 people would be in the arena. But they state that in the last two years, both with the crisis in Ukraine and an increase in the number of protection applicants, uh, they're now accommodating probably in the region of 100,000 100, people. Uh, that's a huge effort, and we, we've always tried to acknowledge that, a huge effort on the Department of Civil Servants. But what's happened in the spring of last year and more, uh, and from December of this year, is an, uh, that the government have stated that they, there is no accommodation that they can uh, identify, and that therefore to try to ensure that they can accommodate women and children, they are not accommodating single men when they apply for asylum. Now, in our analysis, 
uh, we do believe that there is solutions here and people can be accommodated. International protection applicants can be accommodated. We believe there's capacity within the IPAS system itself, also within the system of accommodation for refugees from Ukraine. There's, there's uh, vacancies and bed capacity. And then um, also within other government departments, uh, HSC, department OPW and so forth. Uh, and that's what really is frustrating and distressing about this situation is that we don't think, and it was it's pretty visceral this morning in those images, that with people in dire streets, dire straits on the streets of Dublin in snow and very wet snow, and it's going to be a really cold couple and, of and days. And Nick, what accommodation are you pointing to, to evidence your view that there is somewhere that these people could go? Because obviously there is such pressure on accommodation, both for, for immigrants and for our own um, uh, population who is uh, seeking um, homeless shelter. Where is it that you see the opportunity? And one, just before I say, give the, say where we think it is, it, it, our recommendations are not, we believe, encroaching into the mainstream, the solutions and ideas that would be used for mainstream homelessness. So there's three areas where we think there are uh, there is capacity. One is in IPAS accommodation itself. So RTE uh, reported on Friday that I think there was something like 1,500 uh, to 2,000 vacancies within that system of accommodation. And what is that? Is that hotels, hostels? That, that would kind of be hotels, emergency accommodation centres, converted office spaces. Okay. Much of that wouldn't be ideal, uh, but at least it's bringing people off the streets. Uh, then on Wednesday of this week, Laura Fletcher in RT reported on a story where there was footage from City West where there was multiple empty uh, bunk beds in the City West Convention Centre, which is used to accommodate protection applicants. Now, the government gave an explanation for that, but that they need flex and capacity, but there is vacancies there. And, I, and, I, and now, currently, I, I'd imagine those uh, bunk beds are still empty and yet we have people sleeping rough. Then the second area of uh, where there's capacity is within the Ukrainian accommodation system. There has been a dip in the number of people coming from Ukraine. People have, are trying to move on to longer-term accommodation. Some people are leaving the country altogether, and there is, I think, more than 2,000 vacancies there as well. And then thirdly, and we said this in government to government in the beginning of December, it, by letter, that we do believe that there is, within other government departments, uh, buildings or facilities that could be uh, converted, not necessarily for long-term accommodation, that could be converted to bring people off the streets. I think it was either in spring of last year or the spring before where Roderick O'Gorman, Minister Roderick O'Gorman, wrote to other government departments looking for, for accommodation. I think he got one, one offer from one uh, other government department. So there is a much bigger role that other government departments could be playing, including identify, identifying accommodation within their region. And I assume you, Nick, have said this on behalf of the Irish Refugee Council to government. What has the response yeah. been? Yeah, we said it. Uh, we said it by, we said it in writing. We, when we meet with them, we draw attention to the, to the vacancies within the system. Now, as I say, they have an explanation. Uh, they would say that we need capacity, we need flex. And I suppose we would norm, in normal circumstances, we would understand that. And I, that's probably good management. But when people are in such dire straits in, on the streets uh, and when other local authorities, in particular DHRE, won't uh, offer support to people. So that's a really important point to, to emphasize. Uh, 
people in this situation that I've spoken to cannot go to uh, Dublin City Council and say, I am sleeping rough. Can you put me in one of your emergency accommodation uh, centres? They're they're just specifically excluded from that support. So in that context, uh, we do think this is a crisis situation and people should be that. And that government response doesn't reflect the urgency that we're in. And Nick, what what if the impact of the capacity to process people at pace? Because we obviously owe a duty of care to every applicant, but every applicant will end at a process where they are either offered international protection by the Irish state Mm. or where where it is declined and they are sent back to whence they came. Surely if that was Mm. done with some alacrity, you would alleviate some of this pressure. You would, uh, but you, 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 it still takes time to consider somebody's international protection application. Uh, and, that, and indeed, taking time is a good thing. We, we, we have a problem, and we've always pointed out the delays in the system, they're good for nobody. But also, we have a, a problem with fast-tracking cases. Now, that might sound like to your listeners that we're we can, having our cake and eating it, eating it, but there is a clear difference. One of the issues that we've drawn to the attention of government is also quite a particular one where uh, if somebody is from an excel- a safe, designated safe country, they can be subject to an accelerated uh, application where they would be, in effect, fast-tracked. And we have met people who've been homeless and have been subject to interview while homeless. And that, for our, from our perspective, is, is of deep concern. How somebody is meant to prepare for one of the most important interviews in their certainly in their application to stay here and indeed possibly their life because it, uh, uh, so much would hinge on it. Now, um, Nick, I, I don't want to sound uh, unsympathetic, yeah. but to devil's advocate that, surely people will mm-hmm. say, while it may be far from ideal in terms of human dignity and duty of care to the person who's seeking international protection, your capacity to tell your own true story isn't significantly impacted by spending the night in a tent the night before. Uh, it's... Well, we would say it, it, it may well be just from the ver- just by virtue of the fact that somebody may be um, from the people that we've met. People have been extremely shaken by the situation that they're in, particularly in cold weather. Uh, people with health difficulties, with mental health difficulties. Um, people may not have been able to engage with a lawyer to support them with their application. We have drawn this to the attention of government and we're not saying that people should be automatically paused from their application if they're homeless, but they'd be given the option of pausing their application. We have met people who have said, look, I I just want to get on with this process. I'm happy to be interviewed. But we also met people who are, to say the least, bewildered, uh, very shaken, not engaged with their lawyer, unclear of what the process they're going into. And the idea of somebody sort of walking from their tent outside the International Protection Office into that office to be interviewed and then back out to the tent, it, it, it's really of concern to us. Can I ask on, on that note then, Nick, obviously mm. the images that you shared are all the more striking because of the snow piled up on the tents. But one yeah. of the big impacts is going to be, has been consistent for a couple of days and may come back, which is the, the low temperatures, the, the real feel, yeah. the what, what, what is it like to be outdoors? Currently is minus four and is likely yeah. to be that through the rest of the night for Dublin city centre. What's the yeah. impact on the people themselves and, and what kind of condition are they in sleeping in that? Yeah, it's very difficult for people now. I should add one thing that we learned this morning was that the Department of Integration, we understand officials from that department went to the IPO to meet people to with the view to those people tem- being temporarily accommodated over the weekend. So it is, and I haven't had this confirmed, but people may be accommodated. So 
but the people that we, I didn't meet anybody this morning, but I did meet somebody. We continue to meet people all the time as an organization, but I met somebody on uh, Wednesday when I was there who talked about having, his, he'd just come from having his first shower of the week. He'd had to queue for a long, long time for to get a shower. The slots for showers that fill up. Uh, somebody, he, he, he was struggling to sleep rough at night because people would come to the Mount Street area and shout um, uh, and, and verbally uh, shout, at, shout at him and, and people next to him. Um, there are homeless organisations, Merchants Key Island, Tiglin um, and Dissidy who are doing a huge amount of work to support people on a day-to-day basis, but those services are themselves already were very stretched, but with this, with this additional need, are, are becoming increasingly stretched. Um, the figures today, one uh, 1,100, that's, so that's an increase of 100 people in one week. So one of the problems we, and concerns we have is we don't think government response is adequate for day-to-day management, but it also these figures are just continually increasing from zero at the beginning of December to 1,100 now. Nick, thank you very much for your time this afternoon. That's Nick Henderson, who's Chief Executive of the Irish Refugee Council. If you want to get in touch, 53106 at a cost of 30 cent or for free on WhatsApp, 87 106 text asking, why are churches not opening their doors and other Greyhound stadiums can be converted into emergency accommodation? The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.